Welcome to the True Feminine Podcast. My name is Rachel. If you are new here, I'm so excited you're here. If you have been around a while, hello, I love you. And today's episode, I'm so excited to be bringing on a special guest. Her name is Kate Warman, and she is a dating and relationships coach. She is a speaker and author, all the things. And I'm just so pumped up to have her share with us today because she is going to be talking to us about her two really hard breakups. So if you're going through any kind of a breakup right now, if you're going through a really painful period, if you're mourning the loss of someone you thought you really loved and they left or rejected you, this episode is really going to speak to your heart today or wherever you are in the world and whenever you might be listening to this. I hope and pray that this really speaks to your heart. Kate has so much to share with us and um, she's really gonna be talking to us about how she um, took her own healing journey and overcame and how she has really come up stronger and better on the other side. And um, so I'm really excited to have you, Kate. Welcome, how are you? Rachel, hey girl, I'm happy to be here. I'm doing well today, I really am. And I'm excited. I know we're talking about breakups, but I happen to love talking about this because so many people go through heartbreak, rejection, and I just understand feeling alone when you are just like going through it and feeling like, man, all my other girlfriends are in these awesome relationships and here I am wanting, trying not to look at my ex on Instagram, okay? You know, and so late at night and trying not to drink that extra glass of wine or whatever it is. And so um, I'm excited to talk about this. So, and in the hopes that your ladies feel a little more seen and heard. Absolutely. Yay. I'm so excited. Now, before we jump in, before we get into the juicy stuff that Kate's going to share with us, um, something exciting is coming up in January. And it is the Heart of Dating Conference. It is an international dating conference that Kate herself is the founder of. She's created it. And it's just going to be a phenomenal time with uh, just a bunch of dating experts and relationship experts talking and giving advice. So I'm going to just have Kate share with you because tickets are on sale right now to get in on that and you can be there in person or virtual. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you are looking to sharpen your skills on all, all different levels when it comes to dating and communication, this is probably going to be a phenomenal thing. I will actually be a speaker there for the conference. I'm really, really pumped up for that. So Kate, can you just give us a little overview, a little pitch, let my girls know how this is going to change their life and why they should join? <laughs> yeah, girl. You know, we started doing conferences early in COVID and we were amazed to see thousands of singles, single men and women across the world gathering for our virtual event. And that we did our first one summer of 2020. And what it's really showed me, we had over 30 speakers for that event. And it showed me that there was just such a need for better dating advice, better dating direction and community, meeting other singles, whether you're a girl needing another girlfriend who's in your shoes, maybe you're 35 and single and you don't know many 35 and single, single girls, or maybe you're widowed or divorced or a single parent or maybe you've never dated before. Uh, whatever your story is, I realized, wow, people just really wanna meet somebody in their shoes. And then outside of that, like 
I love that also there were guys there. So girls and guys are meeting and mingling and forming connections and potentially relationships. And I just loved it so much. And so we decided this is going to be something that we're going to continue to do. We threw our second conference last year and um, now we're throwing our third conference and it's actually, um, it's actually in February, just in February 12th over Valentine's day weekend. And which is awesome. Cause if you were single, and you're like, what in the world am I going to do over Valentine's Day weekend? You should come to our conference, whether virtually or in person. I'll give you a brief rundown. We have a, about 20 speakers talking and pouring into the men and women at this conference. Some of the speakers will be live. Most of them will be virtual. And so even if you can't come in person, though, we'd love to have you in Orlando, Florida, uh, virtually it's going to be an epic experience because we have a brand new versus our other conferences. This time we're bringing in a brand new app technology that's accessed via desktop or on your phone on all different devices. And you're going to be able to create a profile. You're going to be able to mix and mingle with people there, like literally DM them. You can video chat them if you want. So awesome opportunity to just make friends at this conference of all single people, you know, like amazing. We will have people that are in relationships as well. So if you're in a relationship, feel free. This is also for you. Um, but you know, the content's going to be really dynamic. We're going to have some live segments that will be live streamed. Then we'll have pre-recorded sessions that people get to watch break down. We'll have a conference workbook. It'll be really, um, interactive. And then we always kick off or, uh, end our entire conferences with abilities to mix and mingle and meet other singles. And so this time we're actually going to be incorporating speed dating, virtual speed dating. So no matter where you are, we have been testing this technology. I'm so excited. And so we're going to debut it with thousands of singles at the conference where we're going to have people mix and mingling and speed dating. It's going to be so much fun, girl. So not only do you like get incredible information you're going to be poured into, you get to meet singles. You get to meet other women in your shoes. You get to meet other eligible guys. My gosh, a guy that comes to a dating conference because he wants to learn and grow, that is your kind of guy, you know, like the guy willing to buy a ticket to grow himself in this area is the kind of guy you want to meet. So this is where you want to be at. Um, and last but not least, the content is going to be broken up into three different sections. First section, how to prepare. So what do you need to financially prepare, mentally prepare, emotionally prepare? All of these things we're going to go through. Then we're going to go through how to meet people. We don't talk about this enough. Where do you meet them? How do you get online? How do you do social media dating? A lot of people are meeting on social media these days. Um, how do you know if they're dateable? How do you know if you're dateable? <laughs> and then we're also going to talk through how to date. And that's Rachel. I know where you're coming in to talk amazingly about like how to speak to a man, how to speak to a woman. And in this section, we're really going to talk through once you've met someone that you want to date potentially, uh, what do you do? What's the pace of relationship? Um, how do you end it if it's gonna, if it's not going well, you know, so really wanting to equip singles with a lot of things that we don't normally get in our modern day. So I'm so excited. Oh, uh, yes. And you'll have to include your link so people can go and get a conference ticket. So um, we're so excited. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you for that rundown. That was amazing. I hope if you are listening to this, spread the word, invite a friend. Um, I will absolutely be linking the, uh, I will post a link to buy a ticket 
to this yes. conference and get more information on it in my show notes below. And if you struggle, I don't know what's up with my hair. <laughs> I never edit things out. I just talk normal. Um, <laughs> my girls know that. Girl. I'm always like, yeah, I'm leaving that in. Um, anyways, um, if you are like, what is Rachel talking about when she says the link is in the show notes? I have no idea. You can also just find me on Instagram, send me a direct message on Instagram and say, please send me a link um, for the Heart of Dating Conference. I'm super interested. I'd love to look into it. I'd love to buy a ticket. So you can find me, search me out, ask for the link. I will have that link. And right now is the pre-sale. So I believe prices go up after Christmas, right? Uh, after New Year. Exactly. You're very similar. Right after Christmas, New Year's. Yes. It was Christmas. We changed it to New Year. Give people a little extra time after Christmas to get that early bird ticket. So get it right now. And if you're, we'd love to have you in Orlando. If you're hesitant, buy an online ticket, get it now. And then if you want to upgrade it, we could always talk about upgrading it to in-person if you decide to come. And I want to say something, Christmas is coming up. So if this is something where you're like, I can't, I don't know if I can afford it or whatever. Yeah. Ask your, ask your family when your mom or somebody says, what do you want for Christmas? You can say, I just want donations to the, my tickets to the heart of dating conference or yes. anything. I've done that many times before, you know, in coaching, I'm like, just donate to my coaching fund so I can get coaching <laughs> or whatever, you know, for myself. Exactly. For me, it's like, donate for me to go to therapy. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. What something. So use Christmas as a great opportunity to have people donate to your fund to so enhance good. your self-development in this area. All right. We're going to shut that up and we're going to move on. Find me for the link. Kate, let's talk. Can you please yes. tell us what, what, what was your hardest breakup breakups? Can you, I know you said there was two of them. How mm -hmm. did they go down? And then I'm sure it just crushed you. So what, what would you recommend for girls who are going through just absolute heartbreak and they cannot, so many girls say, I broke up with someone, it's been a year and I still can't seem to get this person off my mind. I cannot seem yeah. to get over them. Um, how can you, you know, just lend or hand some advice over to some of these girls who may be going through that? Oh my gosh. I love these questions. So I'm going to share a little bit of my story to give you guys a framework for two of my biggest breakups. Now to say that I, I haven't just been through two breakups. I've been through dozens and dozens of breakups. Okay. My history of dating is long and extensive. Uh, so I'm going to start all the way back in childhood. So you can understand a little bit about me and how I formed into my tendencies that I grew into. Uh, so I grew up in a household with two parents and that they were together when I was a child, but I noticed from an early age that there was a lot of fighting and it was just really tumultuous, a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming. And when you're really young and you're in a household that's really tumultuous like that, you start figuring out on your own, like, how am I going to cope with this? This feels really off. This feels, and for me, I felt very unseen. That's what I started feeling. I felt very little, very small, very unseen and unheard. And so I started developing some coping mechanisms. And one of the coping mechanisms I picked up was learning to be a performer. I thought, okay, my parents aren't really seeing me. So if I become a performer, if I become the best at all the things I do, and if I'm the top of my class, a top, like, top sports person, whatever it is, then they're going to see me and recognize me and care about me. So I became a performer. 
And, you know, I'll never forget in fourth grade, my teacher giving me back reports that were, I got like A plus plus on, and I just outdid it on all of my school crafts, all the things, uh, but it still wasn't getting the kind of attention that I really wanted from my parents. And so eventually at a really early age, I ended up turning to a different source for validation. I started turning to boys, which eventually through life turned to turning to men. And, you know, at the, as young as the age of 10, I remember having my biggest crush on a boy ever named Teddy. And I was just so into him. But moving into high school, when I could actually date guys, I started dating at a young age. And I basically, as soon as I was able to date at the age of 14, I dated nonstop for 10 years. So from 14 to 24, I dated men back to back to back to back without really ever being single barely at all. Uh, there was one year when I was 16, I had about 16 boyfriends. I just went, flew through them, Rachel, one after the other. Some broke up with me. I broke up with some before they broke up with me. I was like, this is going to end. I'm going to do it first. And I just was addicted to validation from men. I wanted to feel cherished and loved and desired. And I thought that I was going to find that through a man. Um, eventually, you know, behind the scenes, what I started realizing now is that, or what I realized now is that I was forming some really negative dialogues about myself. I was constantly berating myself because I could never be perfect enough. I was a performer. And also when guys turned me down or didn't want to be with me, I took it straight as a hit to, I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. I'm not cherished. I'm not enough. And I started forming these really unhealthy dialogues and maybe I wasn't saying them out loud, but internally I didn't really love myself. I, you know, would get, if I got an A minus on a test, for example, I would berate myself like, Kate, you could have done better. You could have got that A. How dare you get an A minus? You're not good enough. My parents were totally happy with an A minus, you know, but I was just so hard on myself. And when a guy didn't like me, I was like, it's because you're awkward. Your smile isn't great. That girl's prettier than you. And I was just constantly internally berating myself. So I already had a lot of self-hating dialogues. I say this because it's important framework to understand what came next. Um, at the end of my 10 years of dating, it all capped with a two and a half year relationship, which was the worst relationship of my life. I met a guy who was very charming and just swept me off my feet. And we had such great chemistry and there was all these sparks and, you know, all that. And, you know, we quickly went into a relationship. It was very quick. He just like brought me in and I, I was like eating it all up. I thought it was wonderful. Um, but soon after we entered into a relationship, I started noticing things. We would be out together at a bar and I would notice him talking to other girls and right in front of me. And when I would approach him about these things, he was like, what are you talking about? Like, you're making that up. It's all in your head. Um, he would do this thing specifically when I would come up to him, when he was in conversation with the girl and I was in the bathroom or something, I would come out of the bathroom and come up to him and he'd be like, oh, hey, Kate, what's up? And give me a high five. And I was like, what? And this was my boyfriend. I was, I felt so disoriented. I felt so uh, disappointed. I already felt very insecure. So then I'm starting to question what's going on here. What's wrong with me? Why am I not enough for this guy? This started a slow cycle of emotional abuse and gaslighting, which I didn't have the words for at the time, but that relationship progressed from emotional abuse and gaslighting into eventually physical abuse and sexual abuse. And um, 
I, I fell really deep and hard into this horrible cycle of being abused by this very charismatic guy that worked for a church. I mean, he is, but why is everyone excusing this? Like, why is everyone saying that's okay? And so um, it felt disorienting to me. It felt discounting. And so I felt really ashamed, like of what I, of what I was experiencing. And so this abuse cycle went on and on until again, the physical abuse started and eventually got a restraining order, but the restraining order doesn't mean much if you don't actually stand by it. And if you don't keep accountable to it, if you don't tell the police that this person is violating the restraining order and for somebody who's really deep into emotional um, and physical abuse, it's very hard for them to see clearly. It's very hard for them to, um, to recognize that this is just the abuse cycle happening. This is part of like, they're going to hook you back in by saying the things you want to hear and don't believe them. Don't listen to them. You know, they're only saying those things to get you back. And so, um, I didn't really listen to the restraining order. I kept talking to him and eventually after five months got back together with him and the whole situation, whole relationship ended horribly. Um, and it, ended a few weeks after a night where I didn't know um, if I was going to even make it out alive. It was such a horrible night of physical abuse, hours and hours and hours of screaming. And it was, it was just terrible. I won't go into all the details, but I didn't even break up with him after that night because I was so stuck in believing this is my fault. Of course, this happened again. Everyone told you not to get back with him. Of course, this is going to happen. Kate, you should have known better. Maybe you deserve some of it. You know, maybe you're provoked him and all those things that happen you, in gaslighting, you start questioning everything about yourself. And so it wasn't until weeks later that I found out he was cheating on me again, that I finally decided to end the relationship. But even in ending the relationship, and this is why I wanted to talk about this breakup, it took me very long time, even after ending it to really separate myself from him. And so there's a lot of girls. One of the things you brought up, Rachel, was why can I not seemingly get over this guy? How can I move away from him? Why can't I stop thinking about him? Well, you have to recognize what kind of a tie you have to that person. And for me, in a very toxic relationship, I was tied emotionally, sexually, in so many ways to this man. And I was also tied to him through the cycle of abuse, which can feel like being addicted to a drug. Honestly, that's how my therapist explained it to me. So when you're in a cycle of toxicity and abuse, which for everyone listening can happen, even without physical abuse, this can happen with emotional abuse, just the same way where you feel drawn in because of, you know, they're saying all the right thing. They're promising change or telling you how much they love you and love bombing you. And you're like, oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh. We hold on to the good times. They're finally doing the things I want. They're finally saying the things I want. And then eventually it leads into a period of buildup until another kind of attack, whether it's an emotional, physical, sexual attack. And then you, you, you are like, oh my gosh, I got to leave. I got to get away from this person. But then they come back at you with the, I'm sorry, the remorse, the, I love you, the saying everything they want to say to you because they know they have power over you, unfortunately. And that this builds a high and like a sense of high that you get in those moments when, you know, you finally make up and you finally feel like you're in a better place. It's this, it really draws you in with chemically, just like a drug. So just like when you go and you're an alcoholic and you have to drink because of that feeling, you get a feeling when it's so low and so heightened, and then you make up after it with some sort of apology or love or, you know, sexual connection, which a lot of people do. And so 
I felt addicted to this cycle and it took me a very long time to separate myself from this person. And some of the things I recommend for somebody going through that is first of all, to seek um, professional help as soon as possible. You can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline um, and they can help you, but definitely seek also a safe person in your life that you can tell, that you can trust um, and, and confide in them. A lot of times a, a abuse victim will feel a lot of shame and they don't want to tell people because they think it's all their fault. And so if you're listening and you've never been in an abusive situation, it's so important to be aware that if anyone comes to you that they are being abused in any capacity that you listen to them and you hear them and you don't discount their story because that may be the only opportunity that that person is going to give and reach out for help and so you want to be really careful if you're on the receiving end of that information outside of that it was so important i separated myself physically from him as much as possible i separated myself from him at church i deleted and blocked him on every single form of communication um, that i possibly could i asked my friends to to help me in that process check in on, on me um, and i had to take some actual extremes because my situation was very extreme that i ended up having to shift churches and move churches and gain some new friends because my old friends were leading me into those toxic cycles. Not that they were toxic, but they their lifestyle and their 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 comments about him were really leading me into a toxic place. And so you have to take. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to just chime in. I'm loving this. This is so good, and I know this is going to be so helpful. Um, I just want to reemphasize <laughs> something that Kate is saying here yeah. um, in her in the things that she did, the things that she did to. Um, get out of this toxic uh, cycle that she was in. And I just, I really want to emphasize the word she was separating herself from the presence of this person, the reminders of this person. Yes. And I know that's one of the hardest things is letting go of that. But I love that you said, I, I, I went as far as changing churches because that's what I needed to do to care for myself and my well-being. And so people oftentimes don't feel like uprooting or they should uproot or I don't want, you know, you have all the mind games that continue to keep you stuck. But if you are stuck, you are not moving forward. You are not in forward motion. And so yeah. I just want to add that if you want to grow, evolve and move forward, you you cannot stay stuck. Stuck is the opposite of moving forward. And so moving forward oftentimes requires change. So I just wanted to, to kind of yes. just, just really hit on that for a second because I think it was golden what you said. So I think you're like on another, like th the third tip or the fourth tip or something. Yeah, but it's so, it's so important that we even land there for a second because what we're talking about is taking ownership of what we need in order to be able to heal. And that is a huge part of the breakup and healing process after a breakup and after rejection is knowing ourselves and knowing what we need to get well, you know, and a lot of times we're just waiting for the, for like closure. That's like this idea of closure. We're like, Oh, I, it'll just eventually I'll just reach it. Right? right. And I'm like, well, no, like, what do you need specifically to take care of your mind and your heart and to actually heal and move forward? And I see a lot of people being a victim to the healing process and in, in the post breakup process versus, you know, taking their power back and saying, this is not what I wished would happen, but I need to take power of my, like take my power back and I need to take ownership of my healing journey. And which means you got to know what you need. So 
Sometimes it may look a little bit extreme, but guess what? In some cases, that extreme may only be for a season. So for example, I had to separate from my, the self from myself from this guy because it was very toxic. In another situation, which I'll touch on in a second, I separated myself from a guy who was actually a really healthy man. We had a healthy relationship, but because I was so in love and really thought it was going to work out, seeing him was distracting me from my healing journey. And so I also had to cut ties with him for a season of life, not forever. Um, and for, for me, it looked like changing church service time saying, I'm going to go to the 10 AM. Can you go to the 12? Can you honor that for me? Um, until I feel in a better place, would you be okay with that? Would you honor that? And, um, and he did, and it was awesome. I didn't switch churches, but I switched, I made it a very clear boundary and it was so necessary. And so many people aren't willing to go to that extent. And I'm like, take ownership. If you're stuck, some things need to change and you might need to do some dramatic things for yourself just for a season at the very least. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and so, you know, you need to seek out the help that you need. You need to take ownership of your healing process. And you also, need to allow yourself to feel the pain and to process through the layers of pain. And I don't think that all of it comes at once. I think that grief happens in layers and we just have to be okay and give ourselves a lot of grace for the layers that we go through, through time. You know, it's been about 10 years now, maybe a little less that I got out of that um, abusive relationship. And I have healed so much from that. But there's still sometimes if I'm dating someone, sometimes something that might come up that I'm like, oh, okay, my body's reacting. Something's coming up for me. I really don't think it has to do with this person, but I, I sense it's because I've been cheated before. I sense it's because I've been gaslit before. I sense I, there's a trust thing here that is coming up for me again. And so, you know, and I, the, the worst thing we can do in those moments, ladies, is shame ourselves to say, oh, I should be over it by now. Like, what's wrong with me? I should be over it. You know, that it, that is actually going to just keep you more stuck in the place that you are. And that will not allow the healing to come through. And so you need to say, okay, this is coming up. That's, that's interesting. It tells me some information. It tells me that there's some more work to be done here. Um, but I know why it's coming up. I have more tools now and I don't have to fall into the same trigger cycle that I had before, but I can just be aware that this is a trigger and I want to start healing that specific area. So we have to have so much grace for ourselves in this whole process because it does, there's highs and lows seasons where you feel like you can care less about that guy anymore. And then suddenly he gets a girlfriend. You're like, Oh my goodness. Now I care suddenly. Right. Yeah. And so, um, it's totally a process. Uh, if I could just go ahead. Yeah. What? So when you were going through that breakup, so you separated, you were, you're working on, you know, finding ways to kind of, uh, really shift, shift out of that same environment that kept bringing you back to the same type mm -hmm. of thing. Um, but also when we're going through breakups, you just feel just a pit of pain and, uh, like a broken record that repeats the stories and oftentimes more of the good times over and over are playing in your head. What did you do in all the, the long days and nights, you know, um, and, and how did you, um, get your, bring yourself to open up to dating again? Like what, when was the right time for you to date again after a lot of that healing? Cause that's a, 
common question I think girls ask a lot. Yes. When should I start dating? You know, when is it okay to, and, you know, I think there is no right or wrong time to start dating and I'm sure you agree, but you know, just from your own experience, because mm-hmm. it's always interesting to hear how someone else went about doing that. So what was your process like? Yeah. So I'll give you two scenarios because I haven't spoken about the second breakup, which was a healthy one. I've touched on it a little bit. So for the toxic abusive one, right? For me, this brought opened a can of worms of realizing I've dated for 10 years nonstop, ending in an abusive relationship. And I don't know who Kate is at all outside of dating. I don't know who Kate is outside of performing, outside of validation from men, outside of a relationship. I don't know Kate as a single person. I don't know what Kate likes to do just solo. I don't know. I've never gone to a movie alone. I've never gone to dinner alone. I've, I always had to be around people or with a guy. And so it really unearthed this can of worms of saying, of me realizing like I had to figure out who I was and that was going to take a journey and a season. And in order to really figure that out, I had to separate myself from my numbing mechanisms, one of the top ones being validation from men. So I specifically took a few years off of dating entirely. And I focused just on the healing journey and reclaiming my worth and value and figuring out who Kate Warman is as a single person and not needing a guy for every date for every event uh, for a date, you know, and just figuring out who I am and doing things alone, going to the movies alone, start practicing, getting excited about who I was as a solo woman. And I also did extensive therapy for the first time in my life, inner healing, worked through a lot of these layers. And so this actually for me, Rachel was a season of three years. Now it wasn't perfect. I did date guys. Sometimes I I was like, yeah, I'm just going to date him. Why not? You know? And then I was like, nope, not ready for that. I got to go back to the season because I really just not in a place. (laughs) I'm not in that place yet because I saw my tendency of like, I attached so quickly. It was like an instant attachment. And so I recognized that I started doing that and that that wasn't safe for me to do anymore. And so even in that season of three years, when I did, you know, say, Oh, I'll just date this guy. I noticed myself attaching really quickly and I realized, yep, got to get out of this. And so it took me about three years. And then before I entered into dating, I did ask friends around me. And I think that's a big, important process is that you need a few core key people in your life. Not everybody, not every voice, but some people walking with you on this journey that have seen you through the healing phases, have seen you before the relationship or during the relationship, have seen where you are now. And I'd ask them like, hey, you see how I am. Do you think I'm in a good place? Seriously, do you think I am? Not a girlfriend cheerleading you on, be like, yeah, girl, you can do it. Get out there. But like a girl who's going to be honest with you and be like, you know, I, I still hear you talking about them so much. And I'm just not sure that you're you're ready yet, but you could be. I, I just don't know if you are yet. You know, you want someone who's going to be so honest with you. And so I checked in with my friends, some friends, and they were like, you know what? I think you can try. Like, why not? You've done, I think you're ready to try. And so I did. Uh, I also did this, Rachel. I also decided I wasn't doing this right in the past. So I'm going to research every way to date the right way. And I started reading books and gathering new information, something I'd never done before and starting to really learn and grow. Not only for me individually, but in terms of relationships, how do you date? Well, what does it look like to date with honor and integrity? Uh, and 
then I'll give one more example. So in my second big, big breakup, again, it was a healthy relationship and I did not see that breakup coming. It came out of the blue and out of left field where he was like, I don't have peace and I don't know if I can marry you. And I was like, what? I thought we were getting engaged. What are you talking about? And it's a longer story. I did write about it in my book uh, in chapter five, the specific relationship. But for me, what what ended up happening in the wake of that relationship was a few things. First, I was already stronger before that relationship. I already claimed so much more of who I was, my value, who God said that I am. And so when that relationship ended, it was heartbreaking and shattering, but I could more quickly get back to that identity that I had worked so hard the years before to build and to stabilize and to remain solid. And so it didn't take me quite as long to, to pick up all the pieces, you know? Uh, so for me, I, I also, again, separated myself from this guy, removed seeing him, removed talking to him, nothing bad happened in the end. Like I, today I'm friends with him. I think he's a wonderful guy. We never had any animosity, but it was so necessary for me to take that season of a full break away from him to really focus on my healing, focus on those things that I know to be true about myself and focusing on the hope for my life. And so I think um, you are ready to start dating again when you feel hopefully ready, where you feel hopeful that, you know, God has an amazing plan for you and that, you know, that no matter if it doesn't work with the next person, you, no matter if it does or doesn't work with this next person, you, you still are hopeful that there is something, there is something good out there for you and that God has a plan. And so that's when I think you're more ready. A lot of times in breakups, we like can't even face that reality. We're like, well, I, if I put myself out there, it has to end in a good thing. I can't face another breakup again. And I totally understand, like nobody wants to go through a breakup, but that's part of life and relationship is rejection. And so I feel like, you know, you're ready in a way when rejection doesn't seem as scary to you anymore. I like that. Yeah. When rejection doesn't seem as scary to you anymore, that's really good. Yeah. Because if, Rejection doesn't seem as scary to you anymore. You're less likely to grab so tightly to this person, yes. over attached, over attached, uh, over attached to outcomes. And something I talk a lot about is like you know trying to get my girls and people I work with, you know, to stop attaching to an outcome. You know, yes. so you've got to have a detachment from particular outcomes. So, um, and then that's when you're actually able to show up as your most authentic self, yes. you're not committed to an outcome. You're not obsessing over a certain outcome. And when we obsess with that, or we're committed to an outcome in our head, we try to make things happen and which is <laughs> going into that masculine zone. But anyway, that's, yes. that's another topic, more of my other podcasts, but, um, yeah, I love that. I think that's amazing. And I just want to emphasize as well, um, you know, whoever is listening to this, I mean, this is great advice and this really helped Kate and Kate's journey was, uh, three years, you know, after, but I also want to just remind people that in the, in, in light of attachment, that we don't Mm -hmm. attach to just one person or one perspective. And just remember that, um, you know, not all dating experiences are created equal. (laughs) So they're all very different, diverse. So what your, what Kate's, situation is may look different from yours. Your healing might need six months, you know, hers needed three, you know, yours, you know, it all, it's all dependent upon things. So just 
take in what what is what Kate is saying and the things that she did. I, I really want to just talk about, but I because some people will say three years, but three years might not be what you need. You are a different human. Every person is a different human who is on a different journey. However, I want to add that there are a few of those really key things. For example, detaching your life from the person that you seem you had an addiction with too. Um, like you mentioned in the earlier things you said that you did to take those steps Mm -hmm. and, um, to, you know, really seeking out therapy, counseling, inner healing, having those mentors, doing, reading the books, taking the courses, doing the classes, whatever it is, um, focusing on that. And that is what is going to, it's, it brings support into your life. And it brings paradigm shifts, revelations that you didn't have. And the more that you know, the more clarity you have on about yourself. I love that she also, I love that you also said just in a recap here, you know, that you went and you had to re- reintroduce yourself to yourself. She yeah. had to get to know herself again. And some, some of you are very detached from yourself and overly attached to everything outside of yourself. And so this is all about coming back to the center, coming back to who you are and learning about yourself apart from all the validation you've sought out outside of yourself. And so I just love that. And I just want to uh, also plug in, Kate has a book and her book is called, thank you for rejecting me. Correct. And, um, and it's all about a lot of these stories, what she went through. So if you're just wanting to get more knowledge or understanding or just feeling like maybe that's where you're at in your life. Um, highly recommend, you know, obviously I'll have links to her profiles and things where you can find her stuff as well. So, um, that will be in the show notes, um, as well, but Kate, I, I love what you're saying. And I just also want to say, obviously, I don't know who's watching this win, but right now it's December 3rd, I think for us or second. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I just want to say, um, I did, we, Kate and I are about to jump on a, an Instagram live together in a few minutes or, you know, soon. So I do kind of want to wrap some of this up. Um, and then Kate, we'll probably have to have you back again another time to talk about more stuff. I love it. Kate could talk forever about all of these, all yes. the things. Um, but what would you just say, you know, I mean, I kind of recap some things you just, you brought up that were just golden. Um, but what, what, what are some lasting words that you want to just remind any girls who are going through a breakup or who may be on the verge of a back and forth with a man they know just deep in their intuition and their heart is just not right. Or the consistency is lacking and, you know, they, they know they should leave it, but they're teetering on staying. Like what, what are some lasting words of encouragement that you would want to leave for that girl, the girl who's essentially who you used to be? Oh my gosh. Two things came specifically to mind first for the person who is just grieving, who feels the weight of being rejected, no matter how long the relationship was, or maybe it was just like you formed an emotional tie to this person. There wasn't much of a relationship, but you just really had hope that there was going to be whatever it is. Um, I know that that's painful. And I really believe in this concept of grieving hopefully, and that grief and hope can coexist, that you should and allow yourself to go through the layers of grief and the stages of grief, the five different stages, but just also that there is, and you can still cling to hope 
because hope is not the absence of pain. It is the expectation of future good, knowing that God does have such a good plan for you. So hope is the expectation of future good, that knowing that even right now things feel a mess, things feel, I don't know what's happening tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in a month, but there's an expectation of future good because we know that God is good. And we know that there are good things meant for us in life. And so no matter where you are, I think that's the stake. You are allowed to feel the feels. You can feel whatever you're feeling, but also fight for that hope, fight for finding that expectation of future good, because that's, what's going to propel you forward to out of getting stuck is having that expectation of future good. That's, what's going to allow you to take another step forward each and every day through the muck of this pain. And then for the, the woman that feels like, oh, back and forth, should I date this person? Should I get out of this? Like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to take a quote from somebody else that um, I learned from early on, Gary Thomas. He wrote a book called The Sacred Search. But he said this to me on one of our first podcasts four years ago, on one of my first podcasts. And he said, you know, would you think about this? Would you rather be in a 50-year marriage where you end up just unhappy? and feeling so alone? Or would you rather be in a 45 year marriage, thriving, happy, thankful, not feeling alone? The difference between those two things is five years. So if you, five years of being more single, five more years, and guess what? That's a lot of time that you're hopefully gonna be with that person. 45 years is still a really long time. I mean, depending on how old you are. So think about that. Would you rather be, because nothing is worse than being in a marriage and feeling alone. Nothing is worse. This is one of the most important decisions of your life. Um, nothing is going to be worse than like singleness, feeling alone and singleness. You got a lot of options. Okay. Let me tell you what, but feeling alone. If you feel alone as a single, you got lots of things you could do. You can go on a trip. You could date. You could not date. You could hang out with friends. You can literally have flexibility. You can start a business, anything you want, but being a feeling alone in a marriage tied to somebody that you maybe shouldn't have been married to. That is something there's nothing that compares to that. And so what would it look like to wait five more years? Um, and if, if this person is worth fighting for, because sometimes they're worth fighting for, sometimes you need to work through the conflict. But I would say if there is, if your gut continuously is saying, no, 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 my body is off, something is off, then I would, I would recommend you really pay attention to that. So. Amen. I love that. Well, I'm going to kind of close this out here. That was really, really good. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your heart. Um, she runs the Heart of Dating podcast as well. So you can scope out some good conversations and tips and things like that on her podcast. I will link all of her stuff down below. And again, um, this is just a little taste of what the Heart of Dating conference will be like. You're just going to be so filled with so much wisdom, so much knowledge, so much understanding, so much expansion. So um, really, and I'm excited to speak there and bring, bring that in as well. So, um, but thank you so much for coming on. And for those of you who are listening to the show, check out the show notes. If you can't find the show notes, find me on Instagram or Kate, and we will get you signed up and ready to um. Early bird price is now until um, the 1st of January, the new year. So yes. um, get in now. Use it as a Christmas present. 
Um, thank you so, so much. And um, I love all of you ladies listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode. All right. Bye.